Hey, David. Hey, Nia. How are you? I'm doing well. I haven't seen you in a little while. We haven't been on the pod together in a while. I know. Thank you for holding down the fort. Yeah, I did as best I could, but we've missed you greatly. Hi, everyone. I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. And I'm CNN political director David Chalian. Welcome to Politically Sound. This is our last show of the year. And as 2020 comes to a close, we find our country torn between conflicting sentiments. Hope in the form of a vaccine. Dismay at the rising number of virus deaths, now over 300,000 in total. And a sense of turning the page to a new administration. Coronavirus has changed the world, but we want to take a step back and reflect on how it's reshaped one thing in particular, and that's politics in America. So today, we'll look back on the historic year through a political lens, what's changed, what we've learned, and what it means for President-elect Biden as he navigates this crisis. We'll also be joined by CNN correspondent Stephanie Elam to tell us about one of the biggest challenges the Biden administration will face as they roll out the vaccine and why she decided to take part in a vaccine trial to help spread the word. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. So, David, it is our very last show of the year, so let's just dive right in. We've got an outgoing president in President Trump who is so focused on the election he lost. He, of course, is still insisting that somehow he won in a landslide. So that focus has taken him away from coronavirus. He's completely abdicated his responsibility to fight the virus. And it feels like this is actually why he lost the campaign. Yeah, this is, I mean, there's very little understanding when it comes to, like, why Donald Trump is doing something that hurts his own political interests. But this perplexes me more than most, which is why is he fighting so dang hard to keep a job that he shows absolutely <laughs> no interest in wanting to do? I mean, that that I don't understand. Uh, every day you can ask yourself, what is the president doing today to stop the spread of the virus? to get people back to good health, to make sure that the economy can open up again. What what is he doing day in and day out to manage this incredible crisis that we are nine months into or more, and it is not abating at all in the moment, despite the fact that obviously the vaccine is good news. And yet every day that he does nothing, he's fighting to keep the power and not let Joe Biden take office, which, of course, has no basis in reality. And Joe Biden's going to be president on January 20th. But to me, it's just a great conundrum. Why the heck would you fight so hard for a job that you clearly don't want? That's first of all. And then second of all, I guess in a part answer to my question, he is, well, because he wants to maintain the political power inside his party. He wants to raise that money that can fund any piece of his post-presidential life. But other than that, I can't really I can't really understand why he's fighting so hard to stay in office. It is indeed bizarre. You also see him fighting to take credit for the vaccine. And he certainly did take steps to ensure that it would happen quickly. And so we see those vaccine shots being rolled out all across the country. He's also, as we've seen, trying to hamper Biden, hobble his incoming administration. And you've got Biden with this huge, huge challenge, needing to mobilize the country, a country that's split in terms of mask wearing, in terms of whether or not they believe this is actually a pandemic. So he has a huge, huge to-do list that's all 
all about this health crisis as well as an economic crisis, folks filing for claims as well just as the holiday season is upon us. So he has this huge, huge challenge, and you see Trump trying to hobble him. The delayed transition even, they were delayed in getting a window into what's going on with the vaccine, what's going on with some of the data and the science of coronavirus data into the different states. So it has been quite a challenge, but certainly this is the goal of President Trump. He wants to see his successor fail, which also would mean a dangerous position for the country being in. This isn't a game. We've exactly. seen, as, we, as, you, yeah, as you said, we've seen over 300,000 people die from this disease. And here is Trump only wanting to take credit for the vaccine, not caring about the real human cost of this pandemic, both in terms of people dying and people losing their jobs as well. Just think about what you just said. Donald Trump, who cares only about himself, uh, he's made that clear for four years, he believes the way in which he can help himself most politically and in public perception right now is to damage Joe Biden as much as possible. Well, if this virus didn't get me reelected to a second term, then God dang it, I am going to make sure that this virus hampers Joe Biden. So I'm going to do nothing that can actually help and tee up this next administration to actually heal America through this crisis. No, in fact, I'm going to do nothing so that it is a mess when Joe Biden takes it over and he's hurt politically out of the gate. That's the thinking. The issue, as you just pointed out, is that approach actually endangers Americans' lives. I mean, that's nuts. And the president of the United States, first and foremost, is to protect and defend the lives of Americans. It is the exact antithesis of what his job description is that he's doing right now. Again, and as we pointed out earlier, this is why he won't be president come January 20th. People did not like his handling of this. It has been an obvious failure on his part. So he will be an ex-president soon. And when President-elect Biden and his team are sworn in on January 20th, their number one priority is going to be the distribution of the vaccine, as you said, Nia. But getting the people who need it the most to trust the vaccine's safety will be one of the Biden team's biggest challenges. That's next. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. After months of anticipation, the vaccine is now here. But how those vaccines get distributed to those who need them and whether or not those people, especially communities of color, trust that they're safe, that's a big question still. 
Stephanie Elam is here to tell us why building trust in the vaccine may be Biden's biggest challenge and why it led her to volunteering in a vaccine trial. Before I sat down in Dr. Kenneth Kim's office, I knew my odds. So I have a 50-50 chance. You have a 50-50 chance of getting the real drug. But I was focused on another ratio. I have a 100% chance of helping science. I went to ARC Clinical Research in Long Beach, California, not just as a reporter, but to join a randomized COVID-19 vaccine trial for Johnson & Johnson. So I've gone through all the steps, I've signed the paperwork, I have uh, had my weight taken, my height taken, they've asked me all the things that they need to know about my personal health, and I've been shown what I'm taking home with me and how that technology is going to work and how I'm gonna update them about any symptoms, any feelings that I have after I get the vaccine. So and while the Pfizer vaccine is already making its way into Americans' arms, it's clear more vaccines will be necessary to protect as much of the population as possible. There's also great interest in the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, since it only requires one shot, as opposed to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Nationwide, some 40,000 people are taking part in this trial. But again and again, researchers have said they need more black people, more people of color, to participate. Dr. Kim is the medical director and CEO of ARC Clinical Research. So generally, it's important that you study people from many different diverse backgrounds because you can have a different side effect profile or you can have different dose levels if it's a drug. Uh, So those are both important. Efficacy and safety can make a difference. To me, that's one of the biggest challenges facing this incoming Biden administration. How to not only manage the massive logistical challenge of distributing the vaccine, but also convincing some of the most vulnerable people to take it in the first place. During the pandemic, I've reported for CNN what the data tells us about how the coronavirus is spreading in California and who is getting hit the hardest. According to the California Department of Public Health, the Latinx population is bearing the brunt of this virus, making up nearly 50% of the deaths statewide. The percentage of Black Californians who have died is outpacing their percentage of the state's population. I've interviewed people who got the virus and were asymptomatic, but passed the virus on to loved ones, and others who got it and still haven't recovered months later. People like 31-year-old Ginny Ruelas, who listened to her father dying of the coronavirus in the hospital room next to hers. He couldn't say much. Our conversation was like 26 seconds. And all he said was, I'm here. I'm going to be okay. That's the last thing I remember he said. During her battle with the virus, she said she had a stroke that left one half of her heart smaller than the other. When I have no balance in my body, I can't, it's hard for me to breathe, especially when I walk. I can't walk for too long without running out of breath. Now I have to constantly check my oxygen. Sometimes it drops so low, I feel I'm breathing through a straw. These conversations have impacted me. So I decided to put my body where my mouth is to show people how these vaccines are tested. And hopefully, I will inspire more people of color to get vaccinated when they can. What do you hear from people from those demographics that are more hesitant? The 
Number one thing is the fear of the unknown, sometimes the fear of being experimented on. And rather than thinking of this as an opportunity to get access to a new therapy earlier, there's more suspicion that this could be an unsafe program. I understand the fear. America's history of unethical studies on people of color has led to generations of distrust. Most notably, the abhorrent, decades-long Tuskegee experiment that began in the 1930s. It was designed to study untreated syphilis in hundreds of black men without their consent. The legacy of the study at Tuskegee has reached far and deep in ways that hurt our progress and divide our nation. We cannot be one America when a whole segment of our nation has no trust in America. And now America has a government that has been all over the place in messaging, often thwarting science and scientists, whether it be about wearing masks or crazy coronavirus treatments. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? But today's medicine and an administration armed with a plan to get the vaccine to those who need it most could save lives. The world has battled deadly viruses before, and there were lessons learned and science proven. Vaccines work. I, for one, am more than ready to get back to life as we knew it. All that's left is to get the needle in my arm. All right, deep breath, small pull. After I got my shot, I felt fine. Full dose given. And who knows which one it was. That's right. Dr. Kim tells me that some people get the placebo and do have side effects, while others get the real vaccine candidate and don't report any symptoms at all. One thing is clear to me from my experience with this vaccine trial so far and from my reporting across California. Getting some people to trust the vaccines is going to be a serious problem the incoming Biden administration should enlist influencers to lead by example and beyond politicians, get athletes, musicians, and actors of all races and different ages to show themselves getting vaccinated. It could have a large impact on moving the country and the world past this pandemic. What a fantastic report that was from Stephanie. We thank her for those important insights and for participating in that vaccine trial. And so, David, what do we think the political lessons are from 2020, the pandemic we witnessed and are still witnessing, quite frankly? Yeah, it's such a good question. Yeah, there are certainly political lessons to be learned this year. But I think the first sort of step back as I look at how the pandemic Obviously, it dominated every piece of our society, our family life, our work lives, our it, just the way in which we interact in our communities. All of that has been impacted, and there's so much sickness and death and sadness that has occurred with the pandemic as well. But when I look at politics, one of the things that we saw in the Trump era was this notion that there are two sets of facts, depending which party you're in or which side you're on of a political debate. So what occurred in the pandemic seems to me is that at a moment in our politics where we're more divided than ever, when our politics are so divisive and corrosive, we had this massive crisis hit the country, but a crisis based in science 
and fact. And yet, because of our divided nature and because, quite frankly, President Trump wanted to exploit that divided nature as he thought it was his best path back to re-election— The fact that this was a science-based crisis, a fact-based crisis with science-based solutions to it, meant that we were already in a political moment where that didn't account for much, where that didn't matter. And so by politicizing the pandemic, we lost the ability to come together as a nation at the precise moment that we needed to come together to actually combat this. And so to me, that was sort of the lost year of 2020 for America. Our politics infected our response to this pandemic in such a way that it really exacerbated it. And then that goes right to the top to President Trump and his allies. So that's sort of the year in politics to me. But in terms of the lessons learned, Nia, my biggest lesson that I've learned from 2020 is one, you can't just play and govern to your base. That was proven as a totally unsuccessful attempt in the Trump presidency. You've got to try and build beyond your core base of support if you're going to maintain political power. I know it seems like a very obvious lesson, but it was one that was tested every day for four years, and we got the answer to it on November 3rd when the country showed up in bigger numbers than ever to vote Donald Trump out of office. Yeah, and and listen, I think, you know, 80 million people spoke and said that President Trump deserve to lose his bully pulpit of being the president of this great country. He will go down as one of the worst presidents this country has ever seen. Typically, that happens with one-term presidents. Anyway, they tend to be toward the bottom of the list of of presidents. But my goodness, 300,000 people and counting did. And so you had this massive economic crisis and a massive health care crisis that led to the fact that people are going to gather for Christmas. They are going to gather for, hopefully in small numbers, right, because of the pandemic, but they are going to have family gatherings where people won't be there because they were buried the week before or the months before these, hopefully again, small family gatherings. So, I mean, for me, it's just such a sad year for this country. The upside is that science won. The scientist who came up with this vaccine built on years and years of work, that is a great takeaway. But the fact that it was so politicized by this president who didn't give a damn about people's lives and about people's economic livelihoods either. And that is why on January 20th, uh, he will be exiting the White House onto his post-presidency life. So that is my takeaway from this. And, And listen, I do hope that folks who are skeptical about this vaccine, one, that we listen to them, because this is a skepticism born of history, but it's also born of lived experience. Oftentimes, African-Americans, Latinos go to doctor's offices and they suspect, and typically they're right, that doctors don't treat them the same way they treat white patients. So I I hope that, uh, A, we listen to them, but also uh, that there are, you know, this sort of massive public education campaign and that the numbers among these communities uh, go up to get that vaccine, because that is going to be what this country needs to turn this thing around. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks so much for listening. If you could take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review, that'd be great. And if you're listening for the first time, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you can get our latest episode each week delivered right to you. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. 
This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Mimi Mutesa. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo is the team's production assistant. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We're going to be off for the next two weeks, so we'll see y'all next year. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.